It's great to see you all tonight once again, and maybe you were making your way in when we started, and I had announced what, what we're doing tonight, <clears throat> and that is, uh, as I like to share the pulpit and have our elders, so, some of our elders sharing the pulpit with me, and as we study through the book of Genesis, uh, it's just been a blessing to hear the Spirit of the Lord speaking through various different people. And uh, I'm grateful tonight to share the pulpit here with uh, Walt Miller, who's one of our elders. Would you guys welcome Walt? Genesis chapter 24. All right. Thanks, Mike. And uh, it truly is an honor and a blessing to be able to share this pulpit uh, with you, Mike. It's uh, just, it's amazing as we sang that song uh, the first song we opened up with a hymn of uh, heaven and it speaks the, that line that said, uh, we'll stand beside the heroes of the faith on the day of resurrection. I just thought, you know, for 25 years, the Lord has used this pulpit and cornerstone to, uh, to raise up heroes of the faith. And I'm just grateful to be able to stand beside those heroes in my own life uh, and to also just watch as God's raising up heroes right here among us. And uh, so anyway, yeah, these are uh, some big shoes to fill up here. You guys have had some wonderful teachers that have been taking us through the book of Genesis. And no doubt, as I shared, I'm honored. But then as I studied, I felt like this overwhelming sense of insecurity. And I felt like, wow, maybe I should be offended because uh, they gave me chapter 24, and I was like, man, at first I thought this is, I was honored because chapter 24 is the longest chapter. And I was thinking like, they know that I am short-winded. And they know for certain that you give me 67 verses and we'll just plow right through them. But they also know that this is one of the most amazing uh, spiritual pictures of Christ in the church in the, in the Bible, and um, I was just thinking, man, they're giving this opportunity to me. But then I started to think, wait a minute. Maybe they did this because when they thought of this grand idea, I know, let's share the pulpit with the elders, and we'll give them each a chapter. And so they went through the list, and they were like, and for Walt, oh, oh no. <laughs> what are we going to do for Walt, you know? And so they were like, I know. We'll give them the easiest chapter of all, the one that just literally teaches itself. And so I just started to think like, wow, maybe that's what it is, right, Mike? <laughs> anyway, seriously, about uh, uh, speaking my own insecurities as well, I just thought it, that song, Such an Awesome God, about, um, I don't know, 15 years ago now, I don't think Mike remembers this, but we had a worship conference at my small little church at, uh, that I was uh, the worship leader at um, up in South Plainfield. And it was just this awesome time of where worship leaders, just regional, local guys came together and we were able to just really encourage each other, develop each other, and grow together. And the very last session was this amazing time of worship. And this is at the time where all the worship leaders are thinking, yeah, I got this. I mean, like, we're angelic in this room, you know? And the very last song that I led with was, Our God is an Awesome God. And I blew it. I literally started in the wrong key. I started playing the wrong uh, chords. I was singing it. 
totally wrong. And you would think that in a room full of worship leaders, they could, you know, maybe help me out a little bit. But no, instead, they all began to sing it wrong with me. And it was this just terrible sound, uh, singing, our God is an awesome God. But you know what? It was still a beautiful time. And I, ironically enough, you know, it's just a beautiful picture of God's redemption as then uh, Mike gave me an opportunity to be uh, the worship overseer here. I don't know if I would have given that job up. <laughs> but anyway, um, with that, I just want to jump in. Let's jump into chapter 24. Uh, just a quick recap. I mean, you guys have had some amazing weeks here in the scriptures. Uh, starting, at, you know, just looking back, even uh, chapter 21, we see this uh, beautiful picture, the birth of the son of promise. We see God's faithfulness that's on display uh, in the scriptures uh, with the, the birth of Isaac. Uh, we see in chapter uh, 21 as well, we see this casting out of the son, the son of the bondwoman, which is, uh, you know, Ishmael just representing God's protection and our rebirth in Christ. And then we see, continuing on with that, uh, chapter 22 and into 23, we see the sacrifice uh, of Isaac. And, uh, well, at least the expected sacrifice, the calling, but God's provision and his mercy in the midst of that and Abraham's faith uh, tested and uh, shown to be faithful. And then, of course, last week, chapter 23, Sarah's death, which was a picture of the old covenant, uh, for us, that in the scriptures, that we don't, it, it didn't even take place yet, but we look back historically and see how uh, this uh, picture represented so much to us. What would be the law and the prophets as Sarah was, had died and buried and they honored her greatly, we see also moving forward into chapter 24, this picture of Jesus, the new covenant with the church. And I just think it's so amazing. And again, I don't, uh, the, everything we're going to talk about tonight in chapter 24, uh, it, it has so much practical just application for us and instruction for us, but also there's such a deep, uh, uh, such a deep spiritual image here that I think what's going to happen as I'm sharing, we're going to jump back and forth between some of this practical application in our life and some of the spiritual image of what the Lord is showing us because there's just, it's so full in here. So, um, just follow along with me what I thought I'd do since, you know, we're limited in time and, you know, I had 67 verses. I figured I'll at least go two minutes per verse and then I'll fill in between. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to skip every other verse and then, I'll, no, actually, I'll just keep going forward. <laughs> anyway, so um, some of the godly principles we're going to be looking at, they're worth recognizing and, and inspiring us so much Tonight, we're going to be looking at things like enduring to the end, honoring and respecting God's people, the importance of a godly heritage, uh, confidence in God's plan, distancing yourself from worldliness, prophecy and prophetic words, God's sovereignty, the dangers of greed, faithfully trusting God's word. I mean, all of this in just one simple chapter, in just one simple hour, right? So, uh, well, let's just jump in and uh, take a look at what the Lord's word has for us. So chapter 24, verse 1 says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son uh, from uh, the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell." But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. 
So we see in these first four verses uh, just some really awesome principles uh, to apply to our lives. First, we see Abraham as he's getting old in age. We see an honorable man, a man who's run the race to the end with great endurance, uh, a man whose faith has been tested and tried. And we also see uh, many uh, uh, times where Abraham tried and failed. Uh, but we see God's redemption in his life. And now he, here he is, advanced in his years, old age, and yet still he's plowing forward in the promise of God. And what a great example to us. That, that we're, It's never enough to, it's like, okay, I've retired. It's time for me to let go of that pursuit of godliness. Now I'll just relax for the rest of my life. But instead, we look um, towards heaven uh, and we run the race with great endurance till the very end. We also see that in this, uh, these first four verses, we see the, this beautiful picture of honor and respect to him as he calls his, um, uh, his servant to him to make this um, promise to him uh, in this, you know, to go back and to find a wife for his son Isaac. Um, it, he's an unnamed servant, but many believe that he would be the servant that was mentioned in Genesis 15, Eliezer. And the reason for that is because at that point, he says that he's the most honored man in his house before he had an heir to his, all his goods. And uh, so this would have been the greatest among his people, among his servants, that would have gotten the inheritance had he not had his own son. Uh, very much like in our day today. I mean, listen, I've been, you know, I've seen how people have uh, just drawn so near to each other, you know, uh, just friends, brothers, and to, with brothers and sisters, and, you know, just uh, in the Lord caring for one another. And if they don't have an heir, they leave, you know, they put in their will, the, you know, all that they have to that other person. Uh, you know, so it's the same thing that we see here. So if indeed this was the unnamed servant, um, it's just another beautiful picture for us of a man who's faithful and honoring his master. Because uh, that would have been almost 60 years ago where he was named as his greatest uh, servant in those days. So we see this picture of Eliezer that would have just been such an amazing pers- uh, example to us of just faithfully serving our master till the very end. We also see here uh, Abraham's desire uh, to know that his son finds a good wife. And I think this is very interesting because I'm very passionate about the idea of uh, a godly heritage. I am so, the Lord has placed that on my heart you know, and in my life, and I've even shared that with the men here. Uh, I was able to share at the Bagels and Bible a couple months ago on that very topic of developing and building a godly heritage and how important it is for us that we should care about the decisions our children make, that we should care about even the spouses that they choose. That they're, in our culture today, it's like, hey, listen, I, I mean, what am I, who am I to say anything about what, you know, where my son or my daughter may find a spouse, you know? But instead, we see in the scriptures that we're encouraged that we should care and deeply and, and even uh, train our children up to know that we care about those things. And, and even if in the, you know, in the church we have children, sons and daughters, children that are in the, spiritually given to us that we also invest in their lives, that we also uh, weigh into and care about the decisions they make. You know, I am uh, definitely not one to hold back my opinion when I see, uh, you know, uh, 
people, young people moving into relationships, whether they're taking too much time or whether they're moving too quick, you know, whether it's God, you know, the, the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I may be completely wrong, but I'm going to share my opinion because I love you. And, I, and I'm going to, you know, I'm constantly looking out for what's best for you. And that's part of, you know, being the church to one another, you know, spiritual fathers and spiritual sons and daughters. So we see this picture as well of this just great uh, importance of the heritage. And then in verse 4, we also see here, he says, but you should go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. He tells him, don't find the woman around here, not among the Canaanites, not among the world, but go back to my people, go back to my countrymen. It's interesting because we don't know that much about these people from the era of Chaldees where uh, Abraham came from, but there are some indicators here that they would have been worshipers of God. Now, maybe they were a little bit worldly in their uh, worship of him. Some believe that maybe they had a lot of, you know, they were, their, their culture was filled with idolatry, which indeed I'm sure it had its place of idolatry, but maybe there were also some among uh, Abraham's people that he knew were godly and that did worship the Lord, and he knew that that would be the right place to find a, a spouse, a, a wife for his son. And I think, again, this is such a beautiful application and principle for us because where is it that we should be seeking and finding young people, uh, spouses? Where is it? Should we be going out in the world and seeking spouses out there? Should we just go back to where we came from? No, the word of God says, go to my people. You know, we really should be looking for and seeking uh, a spouse. If that's God's will for you, of course, that we should be seeking a spouse within the body of Christ. I mean, it's so wonderful when you see uh, two godly individuals that are not all about pursuing some relationship, but they're about pursuing God and how God brings them together, uh, you know, through the body of Christ. In fact, Man, we've been having a lot of young marriages uh, over the last, uh, I'd say, two years of time. And it has been really awesome to see how God just would bring these people together right here among the, the body of Cornerstone. Uh, you know, the, through, not because they're, you know, showing up at the, you know, singles meeting. <clears throat> I mean, uh, the young adults group. And, <laughs> and not that they're, you know, just shopping every time that they come to church, but because they're actually devoting themselves to Christ. And even though maybe their heart is, Lord, I would love to have a companion, instead they're saying, but I would love you more. And they're seeking after him and devoting their lives to him. You know, and that's the greatest thing that we can do is to seek a godly spouse among God's people. So verse five, and the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not, uh, will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. I will send his angel before you and you will take a wife for my son there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So, of course, we see some more great principles here. Spiritual 
principles as well. We see this picture of God moving towards this new, but we also see how when the when uh, Abraham's servant asked, well, what happens if she's unwilling? Should I just take your son back there? I mean, if, if he needs a spouse from your people, then we gotta do what we gotta do, right? And he says, no, no, no. This is where the work of God is. This is where the promise of God is, not back there. And he says, stay away from the past. Don't take them back to the old land. You know, in such an amazing, amazing word for us again, when we think about God's purpose and his plan for our lives, so often, again, I see young people that are like, oh, well, I met this person online, and, you know, uh, next thing, you know, I'm going to move out west or wherever, you know, because that's where that person is, and I just need that person in my life. And, well, but wait a minute, what about what God's doing here you were once lost and now you've come and you've gotten, you've gotten saved, you've been redeemed, you're now on the path of righteousness. There are people that are surrounding your life and, and encouraging you, and, you know, to grow in Christ and, and to give your heart and life to him and devote yourself to him and they're keeping your arms up in righteousness. All these good things and you're saying, oh, I'm gonna go isolate myself out there because I found her online, you know? It's just not the way we ought to be moving, we need to look at these principles and say, see, God's saying, stay where I have led you. You know, of course, I would say, like, if God led you here, he led you here. But maybe he's going to also lead you away from here. You know, maybe he's going to also lead you to new ministries and new opportunities. But I would tell you this, that until God makes it clear, stay with the place where you know that you're growing the most with him. You know, don't just go isolate yourself. Again, there's so many opportunities for the devil to take a foothold in our lives, and isolation is one of them. Separating us from those who really love us and care for us is definitely one of those areas where he will use to destroy us. And I've seen it all too often where people just uh, give up of the things of the Lord to go pursuing a relationship, or maybe even other things for that matter, but for tonight tonight we're going to continue on verse uh, seven also shows us here as he spoke, he says, he gives a little history lesson. Never forget what God has done. God spoke, and we ought to remember what he speaks, what he says, and we ought to listen. And then Abraham shares with us this prophecy that he said, Look, God told me he's going to send an angel before you, and he's, he's going to send you directly to find this wife. That's what he says. This is a pro- prophetic word. Now, um, it's amazing, again, because I, I don't, um, I, I look at these opportunities, I don't take for granted the divine moments God gives us. And um, so just on Monday, we were just sharing in, uh, at my house, uh, we have a Bible study there, we were talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and specifically talking about the gift of prophecy, and how uh, God uses uh, prophecy in our lives to speak his will and his purpose for us in accordance with his word. And so often we find ourselves caught up chasing after, you know, uh, the, the wisdom of the world and looking out for, hey, this is what the world says is best for me. This is what I should be doing with my life. But instead, uh, God's word says, no, my people will be moved by a different pace. They're going to be moved by my spirit. They're going to hear, it, they will seek me and they will hear me. And he speaks of prophecy, and we see this beautiful picture of prophecy and obedience in that word all through the rest of this chapter. So 
Um, another interesting little point, he also says if the woman is willing. They weren't forcing Rebecca into anything here. You know, this was, he was Eliezer, or, you know, the servant was supposed to go and to share this picture, this, this prophecy to the individual and say, God has a plan for you, and if she follows, then take her. But if she doesn't, then just come back empty-handed. It's not God's will. So, uh, but again, I should say, even with, I said it's not God's will, but remember Abraham already said, but I know it's going to happen. So I'm just trying to give you some security here that it's going to happen. So verse 9, he says, so the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Uh, Then the servant took ten of the master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camel kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time. The well, or or, sorry, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Before here, I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, and came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful uh, to behold, a virgin, no man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also, and until you have finished drinking. Uh, Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew it for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And so it was, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists, weighing ten shekels of gold, and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? And so in this area, we see this. I love to see this picture. It's like a word of wisdom given on top of a word of prophecy. Uh, Here, the servant was saying, listen, um, God, I don't want to screw up. I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is in accordance with your will and will satisfy the calling that my master has. And he says, so with that, give me this image. Whatever woman would come to the well and give me water, but not only me, but the camels also. Now, what does that really mean? Is it really like, oh, well, that's not too hard. It's like giving, putting water in the bowl of, you know, the dog's bowl. Well, not exactly. Uh, camels are known to drink quite a bit of water. And he had 10 of them with him. So this would have been quite a burdensome task. And most people would be like, look, I'll 
give you some water, but I'll even lend you the bucket, but I am not drawing water for all those camels. So this is an image here that he's saying, like, listen, the likelihood of someone even doing this is very, very slim. And I wondered, you know, to myself on this, like, maybe, you know, this is far too brilliant of a simple plan for a simple man to come up with. And I believe it was a word of wisdom that as he was going, maybe God gave him an image along the way of this, right? This woman that would draw water from the well and also give water to my camels. And then it says he spoke those words. It's like as if he laid that fleece before the Lord and said, God, you know, if you bring this to pass, then I'll know it's you. And I've experienced this even myself where in my own life I have had these moments that God had shown me something before it even happened, just in a simple little way. And then all of a sudden it's like this divine appointment happens and you're like, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, in fact, even today, Genesis 24, I get to share with you this beautiful, beautiful uh, chapter on uh, selecting a godly woman and a godly spouse and the, the beautiful picture of marriage. And we just finished a marriage seminar on Saturday where we got to talk all about the beautiful calling of marriage. You know, just simple things like that where God just brings them together at just the divine moment, you know? And I, I believe that he gave this word to the servant in you know, this image in his mind that when he spoke it out, that this would be the picture that he saw. And wouldn't you know, it happened exactly as he spoke it. And ironically enough, he's much like me. I don't know. I, I would be that same person that says, oh, wait a minute. Uh, hmm, I'm wondering, is this God? It says here in verse 22, so it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took, or sorry, 21, and the man wondering at her, Remained silent as to know whether the Lord had made this journey prosperous or not. Like, hmm, it all worked out exactly as I thought, but I don't know. I'm afraid to make this call. And that's where faith steps in, right? That's where this, uh, this supernatural work in the spirit um, uh, steps in and tells us, you've heard from the Lord, and this is his will. And now you need to pursue his will. And so anyway, we see also in verse, uh, uh, through this, I see this beautiful picture of this uh, image of the, the bride of Christ as verse 16 talks about this young woman, very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went to the well to find, fill with the pitcher and came up. This picture, a beautiful woman in their culture would have been sought after. It would have actually, for, in their culture, it, she would have been very valuable for her father. Because a beautiful woman, somebody would pay highly for. And so for her to still remain a virgin, to not be given in marriage, even to this day, is supernatural in its own. God had preserved her and kept her for this very moment. So, she said to him, verse 24, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed, enough, to room, uh, enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth uh, toward my master. As for me, being in the way, on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren, 
So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran, ran out to the man by the well. So it, was, it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. So interestingly enough, now we see this man Laban introduced to us. Now Laban, we're going to actually hear more about Laban in the future, but this introduction really gives us a good picture of the person that he is. Laban was a shrewd, worldly man. His sights were not on heaven, but his sights were on uh, earthly riches. And in fact, it tells us when he, Rebecca went back and said, you wouldn't believe what I, I was just told. Some guy just showed up at our well. And he said he was looking for our house. And he said that God sent him with an angel to direct him and everything that he said was fulfilled exactly the way it should be. And Laban ran out there to find him. And, but what really moved Laban? He saw the gold ring and the bracelets that were given to Rebekah. And he thought, oh yeah, this is the one. This is the one that's going to bring riches to the family. And so we see this picture, and no doubt, I think always we see this opposition to the will of God that enters into the picture. You know, whenever God's divine purpose and his will is being you know, worked out in our lives, you should be uh, very prepared and certain that Satan is preparing snares and traps along the way. He is looking to uh, subvert the will of God or subvert you from the will of God. And see, we, so we see this picture here of this man. Um, also, uh, along the way here, verse 50. Well, let me jump back a little bit. So Rebecca had spoken about, where did we leave off? 30, right? 31, come in, and O oh blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I've prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house and unloaded the camels, camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with them. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And Laban's going, oh, wow. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when he was old. And to him, he was given all that he has now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. On this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go. 
Behold, I stand by the well of the water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink, and I will draw the camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out and her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down uh, from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will, give you, I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. When I asked her, or then I asked her, and said, whose daughter are you? And she said, the son of Bethuel, Nahor's son, which Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, Uh, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will kindly deal, or sorry, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right or to the left. And then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you whether good or bad. And I thought this was interesting because we see here that um, it's mentioned to us that uh, Laban is the brother, and he, he's referenced first in this as if he's the one that's leading this thought. And he goes, listen, this seems like it's from God, but I'm not going to tell you whether it's good or bad. I just saw this as an image of the lukewarm Christian, the guy who's not willing to really say, like, is this from God? Is it not from God? I don't know. I'm just going to lean on, hmm. And it's like, well, what is, hmm? What does that mean? Well, I don't know. Let's see what the next thing is. What's the deal, right? What have you got for us? Yeah, Laban was so uh, preparing himself. And I mean, imagine this. I, as a businessman, I would be sitting there going, wow, all right. I've got some. He said that God sent him here. He said God sent him here to find a wife. He said God sent him here to find a wife here in this house. He said God sent him here to find my sister. I've got some leverage And he also said his master is filthy rich. I think I can make a pretty good deal here. So let's just say this is from God. What do you got to offer? And instead, I was just amazed because the reality is he should have just listened to what what, uh, the servant had shared and been like, this blows my mind. You can have her. I don't want to ask another thing from you. God's will be done. Let's glorify him together. But no, greed sets in lukewarm, not willing to embrace God's revelation um, for God's sake, but for his own sake. We need to be careful. We need to know that there are going to be Labans in our life, and there are going to be also those Bethuels that I think is interestingly enough because he should have been the one speaking up and instead um, was standing by and saying, whatever Laban says, just do it. No, I, I concur with him. wasn't uh, really willing to speak up. So, verse 51, here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard the words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. 
And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. And then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that, she may go. Interestingly enough, again, we see this picture here, and, we, and I just want to encourage you guys and exhort you to be watchful, because when God's will is uh, being carried out, no doubt there will be snares. And here's the snare. Laban says, give us 10 days. Let her stay here for a little while. Let's, let's not be so fast to move in this direction. As if like, wait a minute, I mean, he just got showered with blessings of gold and silver and he's thinking, maybe there's some more that I could take advantage of here. Maybe there's a better deal. And guys, I just want to encourage you when the Lord uh, directs us, don't get stumbled up and don't get caught up and don't delay. Move and be motivated by the, the purpose and the will of God. Don't be distracted. Well, He said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. And so they said, well, uh, we'll call the young woman and ask her personally. And then they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. And so they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. So I just, I I love the the response that we hear from Rebekah. Will you go? And she says, I will go. What a a beautiful image for us of just faith. I mean, listen, just a day ago, she was told about, you know, this whole thing, right? How God spoke about this uh, through the servant, uh, this prophecy and this purpose for her life and said, listen. And a part of that was, oh, uh, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. You're going to have a lot of kids, There's a big plan here for you, girl. And she's like, I will go. This is God's plan for me. And I see what just a beautiful picture. Rebecca believed by faith in God's providence and the prophetic word spoken. And she was eager to get ready and to get going. When God's will and plan is revealed, don't hesitate. Delay will only give place for the enemy to distract, cast doubt, and cause us to stumble and to stop us altogether from God's will. And then we see the blessing from Laban and Bethuel. It says, they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, may you come the mother of thou- become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. And even in their blessing, they were motivated by a desire for riches. Even in, as they were sending her off, Well, of course, oh, fulfill the destiny of God. Become the mother of thousands and ten thousands. Oh, and by the way, uh, possess the gates of those who hate them. Take all the riches of the land and share the spoil. I can't wait to be part of this inheritance. So then Rebecca and her maids arose, and and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahoi Roy, from, for he dwelt in the south, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted her camel. For she had said, that the ser- or she had said to the servant, 
who is, who is this man that is walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. I love this picture as well, this, this presentation of the bride. Just how beautiful it is that um, we see, even into this introduction of Isaac in, the, in, in this chapter, is he was diligent, right? Uh, in the, it's implied that when he was in this, uh, in this region that he was uh, busy about work. And that here he is in the evening hour and he goes out and he's devoting, he's spending time in devotions with God. He's meditating on the Lord. It just what a beautiful picture of that, uh, of the groom. And then we see this uh, image of modesty and inner beauty as uh, Rebecca is presented to Isaac. And it reminded me of a verse in 1 Peter uh, 3, 3 and 4 that says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. You see, Rebecca was not wearing a veil as they were riding the camels and, and getting to town, but as soon as she heard that this was uh, Isaac, the master of the fields, she put the veil on and covered herself. And I thought this is amazing because the veil signifies chastity, modesty, and submission. Rebecca willingly chose to veil herself to pre- be presented to her bridegroom in such a way. And now we know that the scripture said that she was beautiful. And you can imagine that if the scriptures say she was beautiful, then she was indeed beautiful. And it's really not too hard to be received when someone thinks you're beautiful. But instead, she veiled herself, and we see this awesome picture of integrity of Isaac, who took Rebekah to be his wife, not because of her outer beauty, because, of course, she was veiled, but her hidden person of the heart. This is such a great example to the men in the church that are seeking out a wife. Sometimes we come with our own lists. We're like, all right, Lord, this is what she needs to be like. You know, and or, all right, Lord, this is what he needs to be like, right? Uh, this is what my expectations are. And if that person's, ex- if they don't even come close to ex- that expectation, it's not even a consideration. And then we find ourselves chasing after people of the world uh, to try and meet that expectation, only to see struggles in relationships. But it's far greater for us to see, that just as even in this picture of instruction for us, uh, how important it is for us just to seek the will of God and to be devoted to him. And so, as we close this out, it says that Isaac told, or, or the servant told Isaac all the things that had been done, and then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. For me, I saw just how beautiful it is. We see that first, in verse 66, we see that it was the servant came and declared the work of God. This is what God has done. And verse 67, man, there was no more delay. They were moving right along with God's plan. It says that, you know, uh, Isaac brought her into his house, into his mother's tent. He took her to be his wife. And this, I love, it says, and he loved her. And he loved her. 
I just think, yeah, I mean, this is the first time in the scriptures that actually in any relationship that it just simply says, and he loved her. Now, I'm sure that some of the others truly loved their spouses, no doubt. But I just love how there's this unique picture that's given to us uh, of the character of Isaac. It says, and he loved her. So in closing, we do see these two major themes in this text, an earthly principle and a spiritual image. Right? We see this uh, earthly principles, which is really to devote yourself to the Lord entirely and wait on him and don't be uh, discontent. Young men oftentimes uh, look for a spouse, but what was Isaac doing? He was busy. He was steadfast at his work and he was devoting himself to the Lord. Uh, young women desperate, uh, are, are desperate to enter into a relationship oftentimes, but what do we see from uh, Rebecca? What was she doing? She was diligently serving and just waiting. Uh, we also see that they didn't play the dating game whatsoever. They just kept themselves pure and they were more concerned about the will of God. We also see a, a, a very simple principle. Love your spouse. Love the one you're with. You know, God is the one who brought you together. Now, I wish that there, all of us would have these beautiful divine appointments like this. And, you know, I'm sure some of you single guys right now are like, man, I wish I had a dad who could send a servant to go get me a wife. But, you know, and I know that's not necessarily happening these days here. But, um, you know, and then some of us in the room might be like, yeah, well, that's not how my beginnings uh, with my spouse were at all. And, well, then you get to join my club, the Club of the Redeemed, where God says life begins now when we put our faith and our trust in Christ and then we recognize that God is at work in our lives and he's the God of reconciliation and he has given us one another in our relationships. So simply love your spouse. Uh, we also see that the servant, Eliezer, was faithful and devoted to the Lord. And we see also a simple principle that Abraham was concerned for the future of his family and his people. There was some amazing things to cover in one chapter, right? And the spiritual image, of course, we see is Jesus and the church. We see here that in such a beautiful way, the father desired a bride for his son. A son was accounted as dead and raised from the dead, right? That's the story of Isaac. We see a nameless servant who was sent forth to get a bride for his son, representing the Holy Spirit. Uh, the servant's name was actually Eliezer, meaning God of help or helper. The lovely bride was divinely met, chosen, and called, and then lavished with gifts. And lastly, she was entrusted to the care of the servant until she met her bridegroom. Just a great picture of Christ in the church, isn't it? That how Jesus came for his bride, and though we may not have been as pure and chaste as um, Rebecca, the body of Christ is, uh, is a bride of redemption and made pure because he has made us pure. Amen? Well, why don't we pray and, and take this moment and just thank God for this beautiful picture. Lord, we do thank you so much. We thank you how your word speaks to us in the, the, these historic moments, Lord. These are images for us to see just your divine purpose. Lord, even as you came and spoke in parables, Lord, sharing with us these pictures and images, we see that the word speaks through these. And we can learn not only these 
uh, practical application principles of instruction, Lord, but we can see this beautiful spiritual image that's constantly reminding us, Lord, of your faithfulness, of your mercy, your kindness, that you are at work in our lives, that you are living and you're powerful. And so, Lord, tonight, we just devote our lives to you. Asking you, Lord, would you be the husband to your bride, the church? Would you care for us? We trust you. And we love you. Amen.